So in our Does the Bible Really Say That series, today we're addressing the question, does the Bible really say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere? That sounds good. That sounds inviting. It sounds so inclusive. And yet, dissect that statement. From a philosophical standpoint, you can still get into a little bit of trouble maybe. Here's what I mean. That very statement that is intended to uh, supposedly free you up to feel good about what you choose to believe still brings a condition into the equation, doesn't it? In, in, In other words, you can believe anything you want, but you better be sincere. And that's a moral stipulation, actually. So it's not necessarily so all-encompassing inclusive, after all. But the real danger with this comment is that possessing even the deepest sincerity about something, about anything, does not reshape what could be categorically false, all of a sudden reshaping it into something that is true. The characteristic of sincerity has zero truth-creating properties. Now, when you, uh, when you have truth and sincerity together, that, that's a great, obviously a great combination. But, but no amount of sincerity will uh, create truth out of error. So you better be sure that what you're staking your eternal future on is in fact true. Seems to me that that's pretty important. Now, there are some things in the Bible where there's what we might call uh, wiggle room for different perspectives and, and different interpretations. And, um, you know, in, in other words, there are things in the Bible that, that, that do not have a direct bearing on our eternal destiny. They're not going to determine whether God will welcome us into heaven or not. And I could share a few examples, but for time's sake, I won't. There's just, on, on many things, wiggle room. But two crucial points of biblical teaching that belief in or rejection of will determine our eternal destiny is uh, who is Jesus and what did he do on the cross? So who is Jesus? Definitely, that matters a lot. It matters what you believe on this question. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself knew uh, this was an important question, so he asked his own disciples in, in Mark 8, 27 and 29. He, first of all, uh, said, who do people say that I am? And then he addressed them directly with the same question, who do you say that I am? He, he asked that question because he knew it mattered uh, a lot. I recall even as a teenager sitting in church and hearing My dad preach as my own children uh, are so privileged to be able to get to do week after week. I mean, I know, I know, they're just just blessed that way. Uh, (laughs) But seriously, I remember how passionate my dad was about when he talked about who Jesus was, that that he was God, that he is God, creator God, come to earth in human flesh to save us. And and that if we're wrong, he would say, if we're wrong about Jesus being God, we're wrong enough to lose our soul for eternity. And that, by a a God-honoring preacher, is never said lightly or flippantly. 
and, and that his death on the cross was the payment for our sin and his resurrection from the dead was the, was the evidence of his power to be able to deal with our sin and to give us eternal life. So when it comes to uh, Christology and soteriology, the, by the way, those are two, um, two of the most important theological terms that you will probably never use in a normal sentence, right? But uh, Christology is the biblical study of who Jesus is, that he is God come in human flesh and, and was the perfect sacrifice required for our sin. And soteriology is the biblical study of what Jesus did on the cross. In this message, I'll deal primarily with who is Jesus because if we, if we don't get that right, then what he did on the cross is, is actually insufficient if Jesus is not God. So, so please hear this. Uh, again, I'll, I might repeat myself, but intentionally so. If Jesus is not God, then he's not perfectly holy and therefore cannot be the perfect sacrifice for our sin that, that God the Father, the righteous judge, required. So, it's the object. It's the object of our faith that matters most. Uh, just because you sincerely believe something does not make it true. We've said that already. I, as an example, I, I can be absolutely sincere in my belief that an airplane, like the one you see on the screen right now, will get me safely from point A to point B. But if that airplane has complete engine failure, absolutely no amount of sincerity on my part will influence whether that plane stays in the sky or not. And, and if that were to happen, you better hope your pilot has some experience with, with gliders. But again, the key point is this, that the object of our faith is what matters most. However, in this modern culture, <laughs> to say that Jesus Christ is the only way to know God and to live with God eternally in heaven, that's, that's so offensive in our culture, in a, in a society where uh, pluralism and uh, relativism and, and tolerance are the highest values. I mean, that, that claim just shocks people, even repels many people. Pluralism and relativism are close cousins that say, both say, uh, all views are equally valid and acceptable. Pluralism says that all truth claims, even those that oppose each other, are equally valid. They're equal and valid. I mean, that's, that, that's nonsensical, really. It's, it's, it's irrational. And, and this uh, relativism that is so common today is, uh, it's actually self-defeating because, uh, be, because relativism does not tolerate what, what they view as uh, intolerance. In other words, they don't tolerate, uh, or this idea of relativism doesn't tolerate a perspective that says there is only one way to God. So the, the, the tolerance applies everywhere except when uh, Bible-believing Christians quote, Jesus as saying that he is the one and only way to get to heaven. A, a, a culture of tolerance tolerates everything except that belief system. Now, obviously, we, we believe, as, as Christ followers, uh, we believe in everyone's freedom to choose what they believe. 
religious uh, liberty is important. It's a it's an important value that really stems out of uh, you know from God giving us uh, as human beings uh, free will, as as it's termed. But just because we respect everyone's right to believe as they choose does not mean that as Christ followers we stop sharing what we are passionately uh, uh, believing and, and convinced about the truth of who Jesus says he is as the, as the only way into eternity with God our creator. Uh, let's revisit briefly this idea that competing worldviews are all equally true and thus equally uh, valid. And we don't have to get all philosophical here either. All we have to do is employ uh, basic uh, common sense to see the contradictory, uh, the, the contradictory nature uh, or, or to see that, that contradicting ideas or beliefs cannot all be true. They can certainly all be wrong. They can all be they can all be untrue, but they can't all be true simultaneously. Your your professor uh, at university may uh, try to tell you that all religions are fundamentally the same with some minor differences. The reality is, though, that all religions are fundamentally different with a few basic similarities like when it comes to, you know, talking about uh, respecting people and, and, and loving others and, and so forth. But here, here's just the tip of the iceberg um, on, on stark differences in various belief systems uh, regarding uh, the definition of God as one example. In Hinduism, uh, there are many gods. Uh, in Buddhism, no personal god. In a new, new Age belief system, you can become a god. Uh, Islam and Judaism do not believe that Jesus is God. Um, Mormonism believes that the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are three separate gods and that God the Father had physical relations with Mary to produce Jesus. It's actually what they believe. But New Testament Christianity believes there's one personal God but three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, can we wrap our finite minds around that? No. <laughs> I'm okay with that, with not understanding a big God like, like we serve. So Christianity, one personal God, but three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This one God also revealed himself to humanity in the person of Jesus Christ, God in flesh. So there's some big, big differences there. And then regarding the way to eternal salvation, all of these religions, all of them except Christianity, have uh, some version of works that are necessary to earn uh, salvation or paradise or nirvana or get to nirvana, whatever, whatever it may be. And the key point, only New Testament Christianity says that someone else made the way for us to receive eternal salvation. And biblically, of course, that's Jesus Christ. There are many other doctrinal points where these groups differ significantly, but, but no time right now to talk about that. But, but I'll say this again. Sincerity in, in the heart of the person expressing the belief does not make something that is false suddenly true. And that's key. We, we, that's key. It, and it, it, it isn't um, truth. Uh, or it isn't, sorry, I should say, isn't it truth 
Of course it is. Uh, truth that we want to build the foundation of our lives and our belief system and our eternity upon. Of course it is. Truth matters. And, and truth needs to be determined by empirical uh, and verifiable evidence. And, and there is such evidence for the Bible being completely a completely reliable source of truth. So I want us to, want us to look uh, at the words of Jesus himself, about himself, because again, that's just fundamental, that's, that's non-negotiable in terms of discerning truth and discerning the, the way to heaven. Uh, let's look at words, some clear statements from him and from three other New Testament writers that show us that what you believe about Jesus, what we believe about Jesus matters. Uh, and, and there's certainly more than this, but here's six references in the New Testament. First of all, very briefly, John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son, capital S, Jesus, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath or judgment remains on them. Pretty straightforward, pretty clear. Here's some other clear words from the lips of Jesus himself. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Pretty brazen claim. Um, again, very, very clear words. In other words, no one can get to God or have a relationship with him or get into his eternal heaven except through Jesus Christ. Those words, again, from Jesus, don't make it sound like it doesn't matter what you believe. Jesus says nothing close to sincerity is all that matters. He, he doesn't. No, he, he has the, the audacity to claim that he is the only way to know God and get into heaven. A pluralistic belief system, though, will say, well, yeah, Jesus is one way to get to God, but there's another belief system over here that is another way and yet another path over there that is uh, still another way if, if someone hopes to, you know, find a blissful eternity and so on. Well, Jesus did not say any of that. He said, I am the way. He is exclusive. He's being exclusive in this statement. And, and don't let the cultural connotation of that word exclusive chafe you. It does not need to. Jesus made the way and Jesus is the way to get to God eternally. And he, he did the loving thing, actually, by telling us the truth, by telling us the exclusive truth, uh, the, 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 telling us, explaining the precise way that we could receive his gift of eternal salvation. In other words, in and through him, surrendering to him, giving our lives to him, following him, asking him to forgive us of our sin so that we don't have to be eternally separated from God, our loving creator. In this pluralistic culture, when I share these words with, with people, uh, as I'm sharing the truth about Jesus, as, as God gives me opportunity with, with people, I, I often add the comment, about the, about the sentence here, John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No other way. I'll often add the comment, well, again, don't argue with me. Uh, take it up with Jesus himself. He's the one who said it. Uh, and, and now we all have a decision to make whether what Jesus said is true or not. And, and I'll add this uh, right now. Um, if someone says about Jesus, about this claim uh, of, of him being the absolutely the only way to God. And they say, well, I, I don't think that Jesus got that quite right. 
I'm not sure I can buy into that. Okay, fine, your choice. But, but let me say this, that you can then never say that Jesus is a good teacher, as most people do, right? Because a good teacher tells the truth. Jesus either is telling the truth or he's, or he's lying or he's self-deceived, and we need to make the decision about that. And then John 8, 58 and 59, talking to Jewish religious leaders, Jesus answered, John 8, 58 says, I tell you the truth, uh, before, I, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was ever born, now Abraham being the original, the, the father of the whole nation of Israel, right? Uh, before Abraham was even born, I am. That's what he says. Kind of a strange phrase, I am. Verse 59, what happened? Well, at that point, it says they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. In other words, it wasn't his time to go. The key thing here is that when Jesus applied the phrase I am to himself at the end of verse 58 in John 8, it was the same phrase that God had used to describe himself to Moses in way back in the Old Testament in the early history, Exodus 3.14, when he spoke to him and described himself at the burning bush scene. And the Jews knew exactly what it meant. It meant, I have always existed. I was never brought into existence. I'm God. It blows our minds, I know, but that's what that phrase means. And Jesus took it and applied it to himself. That's only a characteristic of God to, to have always existed from eternity past. It's very obvious, again, that the Jews who, who knew the Old Testament well knew that in that moment, Jesus was claiming to be God. That's the very reason they picked up the stones to kill him for what they considered to be uh, blasphemy according to their Old Testament law. In other words, they, they didn't believe that he was God, but, but they knew. Again, here's the, here's the point. They knew in that statement that he was claiming to be God in human flesh. So, so Jesus, there's no question that Jesus claimed to be God. So again, I say it, either he's lying or he's self-deceived or he's telling the truth. We all have to decide. Now, is this reality of, of one God, three persons, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, uh, challenging, uh, challenging for us to wrap our finite minds around? Yes, of course it is. But again, that's okay because, because he's God and we're not. Should, should we be surprised that we can't fully comprehend him? No, we, we shouldn't be surprised by that. And then three other New Testament writers make clear, very clear statements about the specific way that we're saved eternally. Acts 4, 12, in a passage about Jesus Christ, the disciple Luke wrote, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Saved from our sin, saved from the eternal consequence of our sin, and that is eternal separation from God, our creator, and he does not want that. That's why Jesus came. So Jesus 
Salvation is in no one else, Luke makes clear. And then uh, one of many places in the Apostle Paul's writings, and, he, and Apostle Paul was, used to persecute Christians brutally, and he met Jesus personally, and his life was transformed, became a, a Christ follower, of course, and one of the greatest Christian uh, missionaries of all time, wrote about half the New Testament, and there's a little book called Colossians. And in Colossians 1, he wrote in verse 16, 17, for by him, and remember, Jesus is the him that's being referred to here, uh, all things, by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. All things were created through him. Sounds like a characteristic of God to me. Creating, that is. And then verse 17, and he, Jesus, he is before all things and in him all things consist or are, are held together. Again, something only God can do. Paul's making the point that Jesus Christ is creator God because he knows how vital that truth is to our eternity, that, that Jesus is God. And then 1 John, near the end of the New Testament, a little book, 1 John chapter 5, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. You can know. There's truth that changes your eternity, and you can know. No, not because of what you've done or I've done, but because of what Jesus has done and because of who Jesus is. You can know. You can have assurance of eternal salvation. You really can. That's not presumptuous. Presumptuous. That's, uh, that's just based on the facts and the truth of, of, the, of the New Testament. So as I mentioned earlier, there's, there's wiggle room on how we view certain biblical topics, but not, not on God's way to receive eternal salvation. That Jesus is God who took on human flesh so he could be the, the bridge between God and uh, us sinful huma uh, humanity. And, and, and one more time, one more time I say it, Jesus, if he is not God, he's not perfect and thus cannot be the perfect sacrifice for sin that God the Father, the righteous judge, requires. And I'll say this one more time as well. Sincerity does not make something that is untrue, suddenly true. So it's, it's eternity shaping to make uh, the determination about what is true and, and place your faith there. It's a lot to think about, I'm sure, for, for those that are, are seeking answers. And you, maybe today uh, you're listening uh, to this message and you've got questions. Way to go for asking those questions. Keep seeking. And I, I encourage you, I invite you, that maybe today, maybe right now, is, is the time when you're coming to realize who Jesus is and what he came to do. For the, coming to earth for the purpose of making the way for you to be reconciled in eternal and personal relationship with the God who created you. And so today, if you want to place your life and your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as the forgiver of your sin, sin that we all have, and the leader of your life, and, and truly surrender everything to him because, because he knows you best and loves you most, why wouldn't you? And today could be the day when you do that. A, a biblical response to the truths that we're talking about. I heard this 
speaker one time say, and it kind of stuck with me very simple. It's as, really as simple as, as ABC. A, admit that you've sinned. Admit that you're separate from God who loves you because of your sin. And secondly, uh, B, believe that Jesus died for you and that he rose again by the power of God to prove he could deal with the sin problem that we all have. And then C, commit. Admit, believe, and commit. Commit your life to follow Jesus in a, in a posture of surrender, a posture of trust uh, to, to his loving direction for you. In these moments, if you don't know Christ personally, I encourage you to express to God the fact that you want to place your trust and that you're committing right now to place your life and, and, and trust him uh, to receive his forgiveness. You can simply pray something like this. And it's not so much about these words. God knows your heart. But you can pray something, something like, Jesus, I confess my sin to you. I want you to be my Lord, my, my Savior. I want you to be the forgiver of my sin. I want you to be the leader of my life. I invite you to, uh, to come into my life. I believe you died and you rose again so that, that I could live in a, in a personal and eternal relationship with you. Thank you for making me your child because of what Jesus has done. Thank you so much. Thank you, Father, for loving me so much that you sent your son for me. Guide me, I pray, from this day forward in my new relationship with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that and you meant it from your heart, you are in God's family. It's a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. Your eternity is different as of this moment. And again, if you prayed that prayer and, and surrendered your life to Jesus, we'd love to, uh, to hear about it, to celebrate with you, to, to come alongside you and give you uh, some, some resources that would help you establish roots in your new relationship with Christ. And to help us do that, Scan, I ask you to scan the QR code that you'll see on the screen and that will, uh, uh, a form will pop up uh, for you to fill out and just if you'll trust us with your contact information, we'd, we'd love to have the opportunity to answer any questions you might have and again, like I said, to give you some resources that, uh, that I believe will be, will be helpful uh, to you in your new walk with Christ. Thanks for giving us that opportunity. Thank you so much for opening your heart to God's word today.